This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. If you guys out there aren't familiar with Bob Labriola's Steelers by position pieces Shame throughout the offseason, it it's, is great stuff at Steelers.com. Everything Labs puts up there is, is just great stuff. He goes by position and breaks down kind of what each position group you know has on their roster heading into the year, who is a free agent potentially in that position group, a look back at what they did in 2021, uh, stats that stand out about them, looking ahead to that position group. It's just phenomenal stuff, and he's working his way through each and every position as the offseason works on. But bringing it up specifically today is because one that he did stood out to me, and that was safeties. Hmm. He put that out, uh, I believe it was Wednesday or Thursday of this week. And there's a lot of offensive line, defensive line, quarterback talk around Pittsburgh, and that's just natural because what else are you going to talk about, especially when it comes to that quarterback position? Those are three pretty big-time important position groups. But I think that the safety position has a lot of interesting things to kind of sink our teeth into as we work our way through this offseason. And the main two guys, Minka and Terrell Edmonds, there's a lot of meat on the bone when it comes to both of them. Edmonds is the only unrestricted free agent out of the five safeties that are currently on the roster. We mentioned the other two. Miles Killebrew, Trey Norwood, the f- uh, I almost called him phenomenal rookie, but for a seventh-round pick, it was a pretty phenomenal rookie I would year. say for the standard that you expect, are you set for a seventh round pick? It's pretty, it exceeded those expectations. I think it exceeded those expectations too, considering our expectations on this very show to have him cut before the season right. even started. Uh, and Donovan Steiner is the fifth safety that is currently on the roster. The only free agent is unrestricted free agent Terrell Edmonds. We all know that the Steelers decided not to exercise the fifth year option for. If they had done that last offseason, that would have been his contract this year, that fifth-year option on his rookie deal. But since the Steelers decided, you know what, we need to see a little bit more out of you, Terrell, that did not happen. Mm -hmm. They went through the 21 season as a prove-it year almost, getting a contract, and now he sits as an unrestricted free agent. And I don't really think that he did anything to dissuade you from wanting to have him back on the Steelers, but he also didn't really do much to make it a slam dunk. Yeah, to figure out how to bring back Terrell Edmonds. Now, the safety market, I don't know if it's going to shape up to be any better than it is right now, but it's not the best as far as the free agency goes. And in the draft, there's just too many other things that you need. So it's almost by default he's got him back for a year or two years. But you wanted him to force your hand kind of with his play mm-hmm. in 2021, and that unfortunately did not happen. No, it didn't. But it also is a good thing just because you were no longer if he was so poor then would have been officially a what you could classify as a first round bust I would say yeah. even though he was on the team for four years and he started I mean the same thing happened for Sean Davis for the first what three years of his career same thing happened for Artie Burke first what four years of his career Yeah, and we know how everyone feels about those two guys they are considered busts I know Sean Davis was the second round, but from the same draft class, uh, pretty f- poor first two picks out of that draft class. But no doubt. So it's 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 a good thing that he didn't wasn't so bad that you ha- were forced to move on. But it's also you're kind of wanting for any NFL player to reach their peak potential by that fourth year, why you have that fifth year option to pick up. But the Steelers 
didn't do that. And here they are a year later, and they're still kind of in this purgatory dealing with this, dealing with Terrell Edmonds because they just don't know what they're going to get out of him definitively. Yeah, bust is just way too strong of a, a word. You right mentioned now, Burns and Davis. I mean, could barely see the field consistently, whereas Edmonds probably, other than maybe Minka, been on most. He actually might be on the field the most of any player of the past three years for the Pittsburgh Steelers on the defensive side of the ball, and you know he never gets injured. He's never on the injury report to the extent where he's not going to play on an upcoming Sunday, and availability is one of the best abilities that you have in this sport. So, yeah, he's not a bust like those other guys you mentioned, like Harvard mentioned. Mm-hmm. I actually put him more towards, and this is the optimistic view, Bud Dupree, where it just takes a little bit of time to get things clicking in. You're a solid player in your first four years in the league. You're not flashy, not the star that your body and your athleticism tells us you should be. But you're just solid. You play almost every snap. You don't. You aren't a liability per se on the field at the time that the ball. And there's still some of that potential that you all want him to reach and potentially get to. So I kind of put him more towards that Bud Dupree camp. Is he going to end up waking up like Bud Dupree and finally have that year where it's like, oh, bleep, put it all together, multiple sacks, get myself a big-time contract out in Tennessee after sitting on the franchise for a year and collecting a lot of guaranteed money. So I know that's very optimistic of me, but that that's the comparison I'd lean towards making if I was a Steelers fan looking at Terrell Edmonds is that – very solid early in his career as he learns his way to play as the pro. Now he's rounding himself into a veteran. He's playing next to an all-pro, mm-hmm. just like Bud was with TJ. Right. Now is the time to really see if he can take that next stride and be a little bit of a late bloomer in the NFL. I think he could definitely become a late bloomer. And I do think it's it's important that those fans need to recognize you. It may take longer for him as a safety to really come in because – when you're when you're Bud Dupree and you're lining up opposite of T.J. Watt, it's a lot easier for your job to be easier when you're playing alongside a guy like T.J. compared to Minka and Terrell playing the same position. Just because Minka is this all-pro level talent doesn't mean that your job is going to be much easier. He's, in a way, it makes it easier for him to have you as a consistent player so he can do more in his game to really elevate his level, but just because Minka is this all-pro level doesn't mean that automatically that Terrell Evans is going to have an increase in numbers. Like with T.J. Watt, his sack increase or his sack total increasing year after year allowed more attention to go yeah. toward his side of the ball, which allowed Dupree to have a, an easier lane to get to the quarterback, which translated to more sacks or more forced fumbles or more QB pressure. Just because Minka's having more interceptions or more pass deflection doesn't mean, oh, well, the ball is going to get thrown more directly towards Terrell Edmonds. And just because Minka's numbers are going to go up, that means Terrell's his interceptions are going to go up and his pass deflections are going to go up or yeah, pass defending. It's almost the opposite, right? Right. Like if Minka's so dominant, then the attention goes to Edmonds. Whereas if Watt's dominant, then you have to pay attention to Watt. So Bud Dupree gets a little free. It's a great point. So he's going to have a lot of opportunities to kind of be a ball hawk and – that's the one part of his game that I don't know if people were necessarily realistic in hoping he'd become a, a Ed Reed. That's a very extreme example, but yeah. that kind of ball hawk type of safety where you're, you're getting five or six interceptions a year, kind of the, the breed that Minka ended up being. I don't know if that's really his speed, but with all the attention being paid towards Minka and avoiding him and going towards Edmonds because they view that as the weaker side of the back half of the defense – 
couple interceptions early in the year, and all of a sudden you make that quarterback think about both of you guys, and it's in the back of your head that he can't just mm-hmm. pick on Edmonds and say uh, Witherspoon's side of the field all game long because Edmonds is making plays as well. So one you want to see from him kind of make a little bit of a step forward. Again, he doesn't have to get six, seven. He had a couple of interceptions per season. Mm-hmm. Uh he had an interception. What was it? He had two interceptions against the Jaguars. Right, but that was with one game. But that was also who was the quarterback in that? Jake Luton, right? I think he had another pick in his career against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Monday Night Football game against Mike Glennon, I believe, was the quarterback there. And then, of course, this past year he had two interceptions on the season as well. But like, they're very forgettable, right? Like, they're I, don't, not, I could not. They're I not knew impact he, ones. I knew he had an interception this year. I didn't realize he had two. The only play that stands out to me, there are only two plays that stand out to me for, for Terrell Edmonds' career. One was that juggling, that, that tip ball interception he had against the Jaguars. And then the other one was not even an interception. It was against Denver 2020, that sack he had on fourth down. Yeah, that play won the game for the Steelers. Yeah. And the three interceptions came Cincinnati, week three, loss. Don't remember it. Game was a loss anyway. Don't remember it. Final week of the season against the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, okay, so that one's memorable only because of the way he caught it. You remember? He caught it with, like, the back of his hands. It was the ugliest catch you had ever seen. (laughs) But still, it was... uh, I don't even know at what point in the game that came in. Yeah, exactly. It's just not... The splash isn't there if it's from from Edmonds, excuse me. And that's that's what's really... I I don't want to say you're you're hoping it comes more... And more of a consistent thing where he's making big splash plays and he's making memorable turnovers. But again, I don't think you necessarily need that from him. Uh, One thing about Edmonds, too, is that I think that the fact that he was taken in the first round has really obviously ratcheted up in uh, expectations for him as every first-round pick has high expectations coming out of the draft. Mm -hmm. And he's, like I said, played pretty much every snap since his rookie year. So. He's I think lived, he missed one game so far. He's lived career. up to the expectations as far as it's concerned, whereas you get drafted in the first round, you jump on the field right away, you play pretty much the full season, you're you're a part of the team. You saw the same thing with Devin Bush, you know, one game where he didn't start in his rookie year. The rest of the 15 started, played almost the entire game the rest of the way. So, like, you want to have first picks that can just be plugged in and play right away. You're not looking for projects there. And Edmonds checked that box, but he didn't check the box of being that trans transcendent, uh, superstar type of player, and a couple things on that. A, that's taken towards the back half of the first round. So it's not exactly like he what, was What, he was some, picked 30, right? Something like that. So it's not like he was some top 10, top 15 pick. You know, yeah, the Steelers have success getting guys like Hayward and Watt. At the end of the round, Watt, I believe, also was picked number 30. Just because they became stars doesn't mean that every time you pick in the latter half of the first round, they're going to become a superstar. Sure. You can just get a good back there, too, and that's exactly what Edmonds is. But also, I think if Edmonds was taken with the Steelers' second-round pick, everybody looks at him. See, I don't Instead know of about the, that. I, see, I do. Instead of the narrative of, oh, he's not a playmaker, oh, where's this first-round pick getting all these interceptions and, and making all these impacts and becoming a star, I think it's a, wow, that's a really great value for a second-round pick. He plays every single game, every single snap. Good job by Colbert getting just a really solid complimentary piece in the second round. I really think if he's picked in a later round, his narrative is completely flipped. See, I can agree with that for the first handful of first handful of years of his career. 
one through four. But here we are entering year five, and you're not it I don't I don't want to be so hard on the guy, but as to see the term that you use, he's just not a splashy player. I get that you want consistency and you want dependability, which he can do for you, but he lacks a splash, and there are sometimes where he allows a big play, where he allows the splash on him. And we know he struggles with the open field tackling. Uh, that's been a big criticism of his throughout his entire career. And so I understand if the first four years he's playing every single game except for one, he's not getting injured. Yes, that is a, a good thing to have for a second-round pick. But now entering the latter stages, or the second stage of his career, you could say, just because he's no longer going to be on his rookie deal, you kind of want the guys who are going to be veterans to be of substance. And, you know, Sean Davis, second-round pick, no longer here. I mean, there are guys that are held to standards, and if I understand the standard is much higher as a first-round pick, but once you get off of that rookie deal, I think, regardless of the first or second round, it's kind of like when you enter the workforce as a young adult out of college, right? Everyone's looking on your resume when you're still in college at your GPA, at the classes you took, at your extracurriculars. Once you get that first job, that's all that matters. And then what you do with that job is what matters. No one's looking at your GPA because now you've been in the workforce for a while. No one cares. So as long as you didn't fail out of school, I think it's kind of like the same thing here. Once you're off that rookie deal, draft position is irrelevant. It's just what you have done. So I get it. Through through the point, yes, you could say if he was a second-round pick, we'd be a lot harder or we'd be easier. He's been in the league for going on his fifth year. I don't think it really matters at this point. Well, now it comes to the debate of the contract for Edmonds. And as Labs points out in his piece on Steelers.com, in his fourth NFL season, it was arguably his best NFL season. You know, again, not much splash, but he had those two interceptions. He had a sack. He had six passes defended. He had eight tackles for loss. And according to Pro Football Reference, quarterbacks had a rating of just 63.7 when targeting Edmonds. Labs also illustrates how reliable Edmonds is, like we have throughout the entire episode. He played 1,145 defensive snaps. That's 98% of the Steelers' defensive snaps over the course of this past regular season. With his tenure with the Steelers, Edmonds has missed only one regular season game, and he's played 4,011 snaps on the defensive side of the ball. You could want for better, and... I think any GM and any coach would would want for better from their partner of Minka Fitzpatrick in the back end. But I don't think you can realistically do much better than Terrell Edmonds. And I think there's still some potential that needs to be captured there, or at least I should say could be captured there, that would make you hopeful that he could be someone that you know steps up and all of a sudden starts to play more like not a star, but you know, flirting with that line a little bit more. So, unfortunately, I don't think you have a choice as far as moving on from Edmonds, but then also, fortunately, I think he might be the perfect guy for the job. I I can see that side of it. And to to your point, it's a lot easier to just be kind of a guy when you're floating around in the secondary. Maybe that's another reason why we should have asked hard on him, just because... It's the cornerback shop to really match up one-on-one -on -one when you're going into man, right? Whether you're in man or zone, cover two, cover three, the safety is very rarely going to be matched up one-on-one -on -one with a receiver assigned to a tight end or assigned to a running back who's running some kind of go route or, or, some, or a route of, of any kind. So 
I get what you're trying to say. It's just I think now as we're progressing into his career, something's going to need to stand out in order for him to have a real sense of job security here. Yeah, and that's why you give him a contract, but I don't. I wouldn't give it two long terms. Maybe two years. No, I, yeah, I, I'm, 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 okay, I'm okay with that. Two years as not like a prove it, but prove to me that it's worth keeping you around beyond that two years, right? When we were saying uh, with, I, I'm, I'm blanking on a good example here, but a prove it deal is always like a one year type of deal, right? Yeah. Where it's a one year thing, saying if you can't go out and show me. And this one given year that you are worth keeping on my team, then I'm not getting you back. But I think over that two-year span, you're going to need to see not necessarily a proven kind of performance, but some kind of growth. I, I, I hate to, again, be so hard on him because he's not a horrible safety, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to need to see more signs of improvement. I know Labs pointed out that this was, this was statistically his best year. That's And that's all fine and well but you don't you would never have guessed this was his best statistical year yeah because there's just nothing that's splashy there's nothing right that there really was nothing that to stood you. out to you about that and, and regardless of numbers just in coverage you weren't seeing Terrell really lock down on receivers or lock down on targets or break up a couple of passes here and there or disrupt a route here and there you just never saw it uh we were talking about plays that stood out one play that stood out to me was the Baltimore game in Pittsburgh when the Ravens were deciding to go for two. I knew we were very critical of Devin Bush because he was the one initially assigned to Mark Andrews, but Terrell Edmonds was the safety net on that play for Mark Andrews, and he also just was tailing Devin Bush, who was already tailing Mark Andrews. I mean, that's not a good thing if that's the one play that's someone, is if you are allowing potential game-winning play against you. So it's not that I'm going to need to see, okay, at least five interceptions, at least ten pass breakups minimum each for the next two years. It's not what I'm asking for. I'm just going to need to see something where I can actually put a definitive mark on Yes, the numbers are improving, but actually I know there's video proof of it. I can recall it easily in my mind. Now, Terrell Evans is probably the most pressing, not just safety they need to deal with this offseason, but free agent on the team that they have to deal with this offseason. Minka is going to have some contract talk fired up, especially uh, during this offseason when you debate what do you want to do with him because the Steelers are fifth-year option, so they will have him under contract this year, but he's going to want a lot of money once that fifth-year option is done, and there might be some discussion in this offseason as far as getting a long-term deal done now. But I probably see him kind of going more towards the T.J. Watt route with this, where you play under that fifth-year deal, and then in that next offseason, we get a long-term deal done. It's about money for Minka, what he's going to want to demand now to help the Steelers out, because when you go into these contract debates, obviously statistics are something that both the team and the players will point to. Mm-hmm. His statistics took kind of a hit this year. You know, he only had two interceptions on the season. That's the fewest he's had since he was in 2019. 
he made these big plays that weren't going to show up on the box score. Um, you know, always in good coverage to the point where teams are just avoiding him. Uh, the play against Baltimore on the sidelines where he knocked the ball from Beaver Hollywood Brown's hands uh, late in that game, helping the game go to overtime. I mean, those are the kind of plays that you can't put a statistic on, but if you're watching, you know that Minka makes and he's so crucial to. And the other thing Minka had to help the run defense out a lot this season, Mm -hmm. a lot more than anybody wants him to. And that took him out of his playmaking role a lot. And that's not his fault. No, no, I'm just saying, like, based on the fact that he was needed elsewhere, his numbers took kind of a dip. But I'm kind of arguing you shouldn't hold that against him because Mm -hmm. the team put him in a way that doesn't really result in big-time numbers like interceptions and passes defended and pass breakups. Stopping the run all the time, and and you saw uh, he led the team in tackles how many times this year in a game, and that's you do not want to see. For he your finished safety. as the team's leader tackle. You don't want to see tackler. that. You don't want that to be your safety. I want that to be Bush. I want that to be Schobert. I want that to be Minka Fitzpatrick because a that means either he has to come up into run support way too much, not in the back end making plays, or b they're just getting to the second level, they're running back way too much, and he's the last man standing that has to make a tackle. So. That needs to be improved upon, and again, it's not Minka's fault. He needs guys in front of him to play a lot better to free him up to do what he does best. So Minka, like any great safety, plays his best game when everybody else is doing their respective jobs. Perfect. Not necessarily perfectly, but enough that he can say no, a, a player of his caliber can recognize where the ball is going. Right, or it's on via the run or via the pass, and if it's via the pass, he can get to the ball quicker, quicker than anyone because he can recognize the route. He can watch the QB's eyes. But if he's having to be relied upon as the last man standing or, or the last man uh, as the defender to to, to stop the runner or stop the receiver, then that's going to take away from his game, and that's why I think we saw him be left off of the All Pro team this year. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't and think it was his fault. No, I he don't was think just so. asked, not even that he was asked to. He had to do too much. Not his fault. And also, there's a lot of good safety in this league. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of good safety. So if you have a year where you're statistically underwhelming, even though the eye test checks out, there's going to be another guy going to get his in the league that it's going to get that first team All Pro nod because it's just a very, very skilled position these days. So. I do agree with you that I think that might bring into costing him an all-pro, but I also think that if you had watched the game, you realize next to T. Watt and Cam Hayward, he's the most important player on that Steelers defense. You take I don't think there's a question. You take him out of that secondary, I have no idea who what would happen there. And it's the same on each level where you take Watt out of the linebacker core, who knows how that would fall together. If you take Hayward off the line, well, then Armageddon would have broken out this season, especially uh, – Quickly on some other guys, Steiner doesn't really matter, but Killebrew, uh, big-time special teams player. The thing that's interesting about him, had two of the block punts this year, Miles Killebrew did. That is, you can't put a value, you also can't hope to possibly duplicate that. Also, a team is lucky to get two block punts in one year, let alone from one guy. And I think they got a third, they got a third from, uh, I'm blanking on the name. Gilbert. Gilbert, right, UG3 in week one, right? think so. Yeah, I believe that was him. And I mean, a, a block punt is not a common thing in the NFL. No, in fact, if you block a punt, there's a pretty good chance you're going to win the football game. 
because it's, it's, it's a such game, a big it's a momentum changing play. It usually right. results in at least a touchdown, whether it be in the ensuing couple plays because or on the play itself or in punt, their territory. If a punt is coming, that means the team's backed up so far that they're out of field goal range. Plus the punter's like 20 yards back. Plus the ball's getting snapped probably over his head behind. or, or blocked, blocked behind him. Behind, so right. It's almost always going to lead to points. Whether it be immediately with a scoop and a score, or just you're in prime field position, you end up getting in the end zone, you end up kicking a field goal. But you know, Killebrew's special teams has been has been great, and I think he's got a spot on this team next year just because of that. But the guy who I really impressed, based on expectations, was that rookie Trey Nord, who played 388 snaps as part of the sub package defense for the Steelers. He had an interception, he had four passes defended, and he had 30 eight tackles on the season for himself. So that's quite a rookie campaign for a seventh-round pick. And I like that he can now use the building blocks of confidence to go into this offseason. And, you know, it's not like he's sitting there training going, I was a seventh-round pick last year, and I barely played anything but special teams. Like, I'm still fighting for my life. It's more like he's heading into this offseason and got into training camp thinking, it was a major, major, major part of our sub-package defense mm-hmm. last year, and I feel like I've only gotten better as my offseason has progressed and I've worked out hard. So my confidence is up. I know I have a spot on this team beyond special teams, and I expect to have my 388 snap count go up a little bit this season. That's what's probably in this young man's head, and I think that you know that trial by fire is a dangerous, dangerous proposition for these players in the NFL. But, man, when it works, it can be a real pad for a player's career as far as his development's concerned. And it seemed to work for Norwood, which I'm excited to see how he takes that next step his sophomore season. As am I. I don't think there are anyone, there's anyone on this team or a fan of this team who isn't. And that's the difference between Trey Norwood and Terrell Is I remember plays where Trey Norwood was involved. And maybe it has that a lot might to, be because he's a seventh round. Pick. Maybe, but in my mind, there were key moments toward the end of games where I knew it was Trey Norwood in there breaking up passes. Yes. So, you want to talk about having your presence be felt? Trey Norwood certainly was. No question, and I hope it continues to be felt. <clears throat> excuse me, as his career continues to mm-hmm. develop here, but it's Ed Patrick next year and probably for the next few years, and. As these two continue to grow together and play more seasons together, you want that chemistry with your two safeties. I mean, Clark and Palomalu, you you want to talk about chemistry. That's a position where you really want these guys to gel together back there. It just makes your secondary easier, the communication's crisper, and and things just run a lot smoother. There's a lot less breakdowns when you have great chemistry between those two guys. And there's no question about it that Edmonds and Fitzpatrick have the miles together now where they have – one of the 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 best um i'm trying to think of the right word here the the best track record or the best sure. experience together more than any tandem really in the nfl it's going on what will be four years now they mm-hmm. will probably play together this year as Edmonds will get signed and fitzpatrick obviously is under contract so just see kind of more of that relationship blossom and grow and have them completely um of that Steelers secondary yeah. is what you're looking for over these next couple years. Mm-hmm. And I hope that it comes to fruition, but Edmonds, well, we, we Edmonds, I think, well is sure. the, the missing cog. And I, it's sure. that Ryan Clark aspect that yeah. you're looking for if you're Steelers defense.
That'll do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. Always appreciate you guys giving us a listen. For Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Opperman. We will talk to you on the next episode of the Steelers Standard.